for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right, Venture, it is great to see you here today and some of you that are joining us online. I'm excited we're kicking off a brand new sermon series that starts right now. It's called 323, and I mentioned this was coming up a couple weeks ago, and, and I even pointed out we were playing around a little bit with literature that day and nerdy things like that, and I mentioned that 323, the title of this series, is actually a palindrome. It reads the same way forwards and backwards. Now, I couldn't decide if it was, uh, oh, a nerdy thing. Listen, some of y'all, you might be a little bit nerdy. It takes one to know one, right? Here at Jesus, or Adventure We Seek Jesus, We See You. I recognize that in you. Maybe it was a nerdy thing. Maybe it was that you just have too much time on your hands. I don't know. But I heard some feedback that week. Some of you sent me some fun palindromes. Read the same way forward and backward. I want to share just a couple of those with you right now. Here's a list of some of the easy ones, the simple ones like deed, peep, wow, kayak. That's kind of fun. I've never noticed that that was a palindrome. Reads the same way forward and backwards. Deified, race car, we're getting a little bit more complicated. Repaper, is that even a word? Taco cat. <laughs> taco, taco cat. I guess that's better than a cat taco, right? Ooh, yeah. You know, it reminded me when I saw that. It's been a little bit, a little while since we've had a good cat joke around here. Some of y'all know that I'm not especially fond of those four-legged creatures. Um, well, here we go. There's uh, two kinds of people in the world. You've got dog people, you've got cat people. Oh, actually, there's three kinds of people. There's those who prefer that cats don't exist. Some of you don't like that very well. Um, you know who those people are? Birds. I'm serious. Have you ever done the research on this? This is part of why I don't like cats, because I love all of God's creation. Did you know that the American house cat is responsible, get this, for between 1.3 and 4 billion, that's with a B, songbird deaths in America every year? Seriously. Check me on that. You can look it up. 1.3 and 4 billion birds die somewhere between those numbers every year by Fluffy. And the feral version of Fluffy when they go out and live out in the wild. That's a problem. I don't like cats. Where was I? Oh, yes, I was talking about palindromes. Okay, here's some more complicated ones. Let's go back and look at these. Never odd or even. Reads the same way backwards and forward. How about this? Was it a car or a cat I saw? Forward or backwards? There's a joke there somewhere about a cat under a car. I'm just going to leave it alone. How about this one? Step on no pets unless it's a cat. Here we go. Keep going. Sir, I demand, I am a maid named Iris. Reads the same way forward and backwards. That, that's, I don't even know what that means, but that's kind of amazing. How about this one? Let's go churchy, shall we? We panic in a pew. That's some of you cat lovers right now. Reads the same way forwards and backwards. How about this one? Madam in Eden, I'm Adam. Don't know what that means, but it's a palindrome forward and backwards. How about this one? Dennis and Edna sinned. I know what you're thinking. 
you're thinking, well, what, what did they do? <laughs> you're not asking why did they sin or even if they sinned. You're asking how. This is a pretty good segue, actually, for the topic at hand today. This particular 3.23, you believe the text. We're looking at Romans 3.23 today, which is all about sin. It reads like this. If you want to go there with me, I'm in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all, what were their names? Dennis and Edna. All have sinned. Stan and Dawn, you all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're talking about sin today. Oh boy, we went from laughing to feeling just a little bit uncomfortable in the span of less than a minute, right? We're going to cover the spectrum, actually, in the next four weeks, this series 323. We're going to be looking at four texts. Two of them are from the New Testament. Two are actually from the Old Testament. Today we're looking at the book of Romans, which reads like a law textbook, a a, a treatise on the law. Next week we're going to, it's appropriate, we're going to go from sin Next week, the 323 is Lamentations 323, Old Testament wisdom literature. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's next week's message. Then the following week, our pastor John is uh, going to uh, be preaching. We're going uh, international with the date, not 323. That week, we're going to go 23-3. You see what I did there? Psalm 23.3. John's going to be preaching on that. Then the following week, we're back to 3.23. It's a love letter from the New Testament, 1 John 3.23. Our executive pastor, Daniel Shelton, is going to preach that one. So that takes us up through the month of March. Then we are going to have a week of Palm Sunday. We're going to celebrate Hosanna and Palm Sunday, true Palm Sunday style. You should also mark your calendars that week. We're planning to do a Good Friday service. It's Holy Week. Then we're going to celebrate with Easter. By the way, who are you thinking about right now investing in and inviting to join us for Easter this year? We're going to resource you next week with all kinds of invitation strategies for inviting people to come and be a part of Easter here at Venture. But be thinking right now who you're going to invest in, who you're going to invite. Then we're going to kick off a series, a six-week series. We're calling it Room for Doubt. It's almost as if we're trying to be intentional. You're going to invite somebody to Easter. Then we're going to wrestle with, we're going to invite them to come and stick around and be a part of what we're doing for the next six weeks. Maybe even get them connected into a group to discuss some of these things. It's okay to wrestle with doubt. It's okay to wrestle with some of the big questions of who God is and what he's doing and how we interact with him. That's going to follow Easter. I'm so excited for the next several weeks here in the life of our church. Well, I just shared with you the road map. This is where we're going now. Can I share with you the road that we're going to travel on today? Romans 3, 23. There was a thing called the Roman roads. I've got a picture of some of them here. These are uh, excavation sites that have been excavated all over the known world at that time, the time we read our New Testament. The Romans were master road builders. The legions would come in, and well, actually I have an illustration that shows the work that they would put into this. They would dig down a substrat, and then they would lay all these layers on top. They built these things so well, it's even arched in the middle. They've stood the test of time, many of them a couple thousand years now. 
The Roman roads became an infrastructure, an artery system for goods and services to travel all over the empire during the New Testament time. I think this is according to God's design. The Bible references this actually in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. It says this, but when the fullness of time had come, when there was infrastructure in place for the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to go everywhere, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, including those Roman roads, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. I love the flow of that passage. It goes from legal language of guilt and innocence to relationship, being adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. We're going to talk today about the Roman road, which is all about relationship, how to get from here to there in your relationship with God. Maybe even better yet, how to bring somebody else along that journey as well. But let's not skip too quickly to the good part, that relationship part. Let's, let's talk about some percentages, shall we? Let's wrestle with the why behind this. Here's a percentage, 95%. This is a scary statistic. 95% of Christians say that they have never led anyone to the Lord. Do the math. That means 5% of us have had the privilege of getting to be in the baptistry with somebody, to walk through the plan of salvation with somebody, to bring somebody along the Roman road that we're going to talk about today. 95% say they've never had the opportunity to do that. The problem is that for many, the Great Commission is perceived more as the great suggestion. We can do this. We can do better. 80%. 80% of all Christians do not consistently witness for Christ. That means 20% do. That means, oh my goodness, uh, the 5%, at least those 5% were swinging at the baseball, right? 20% say they never even show up to the ball diamond. 71%. 71, uh, do not give toward the financing of the Great Commission. Not even investing, not just their energies, but their money. They're not even throwing money at this. 2%, less than 2% actually say they are involved in the ministry of evangelism. Actively going after people, trying to redeem people and bring them along this journey. Those are some scary statistics. Be thinking. How do you be a part of the solution? Here's what I would wish upon you. If you've never had the privilege, privilege of going down into the baptistry, we just watched that video, we celebrated that. Oh my goodness, if you've never had the opportunity to walk somebody through this plan of salvation, to bring them along in faith with you and to celebrate their baptism and get to take some of those baby steps, those toddler steps together with a brand new Christian, I would wish that experience on you. At the end of this message, I'm going to give you the opportunity, even challenge, to sign up to be a part of our One Life trainings. One Life. You have one life to invest. Who's the one life that you're investing in? And about 100 of you have gone through one of those trainings. We're getting ready to offer another round of them. And a shockingly few of us have signed up for that. Actually, it bears out some of the percentages we just looked at. So toward the end of this message, I hope the Holy Spirit is kind of challenging you. If you have not been a part of one of those, I want to encourage you to sign up to be a part of one of those One Life trainings. We'll give you those action steps at the end. 
This is all about one awareness. Can you tell the why? Are you able to share why you follow Jesus? This, we call it your testimony. It's your story of how you came to faith. How about the how? If you're talking to somebody and they say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. I love what he's done in your life. Tell me how I can follow him. Are you able to share with them the how? I want to give you a very practical tool right now. Actually, do me a favor. Pull out your phone right now. If you have not yet downloaded our Venture app, go to wherever you get your apps, whichever app store you go to. Download the Venture app. Make sure it's Venture Christian Church in Carmel, Indiana. There are a couple of other churches out there. Download our app and go to the sermon section. Bottom of that little splash page, there's a button you can press that sermon. Go to today's message, 323, Romans 323. Open up those sermon notes. You're going to fill in the blanks. At the end of the message, I'm going to challenge you to simply take a screenshot of those notes. Save it into your favorites. And when you have this point in conversation with your one that you're investing in, and they say, how do I do this? You can pull out your phone and say, let me walk you through this. I'm going to open up my Bible with you to the book of Romans. And I'm just going to share with you some of these steps toward the plan of salvation. So take notes. Screenshot it at the end. I hope this becomes a valuable tool for you. It starts with the verse that we just looked at, Romans 3.23, for all, Dennis and Edna, you and me have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's a series of mile markers on this journey. When our kids were little, they were pretty good travelers. Not everybody has that experience with their kids. Some of it, I think, is personality. I credit most of that, though, to my wife, Dawn. She's a teacher at heart, and we would show up to a road trip. She's ready to rock. She had the, the crayons and the coloring books and the activities, and I would show up and just get behind the wheel. I was there for the dad jokes. Well, I, I did bring this to the road trips. The men's room at the truck stop, Dawn would walk in with Kimmy to the ladies' room, and I'd take four little boys in, and it would be, don't touch that, don't look at that, you can't eat that urinal cake. I know it smells good, but that's disgusting. Have you washed your hands yet? I, I kind of earned my stripes in those experiences, but mostly I just showed up for the dad jokes, including things like I would joke about mile markers, and I'd have these tricks where I could tell them how far we are from the destination. We're 17 miles away. Nope, we're 16 miles away. Well, how do you know that? Well, I learned how to read those mile markers. There are four of them on this journey we're going to walk through together right now. Four mile markers. You're going to take notes. There's actually an optional fifth. You can choose to make that one of your mile markers, and I'll give you that choice at the end. The ancient Roman roads, they used mile markers. Here's a picture of one. The, in Latin, it's called a millae passim. I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly. It literally means a thousand paces. The Romans erected stone markers at mile intervals to notify, notify people that are traveling along the road the number of miles to reach their destination. They became known as milestones. I want to share with you four milestones on this Roman road. If you're taking notes, write these down. Number one. We have a sin problem. You'll notice that there are some verses that are listed there in the app for you as well. You're going to screenshot this at the end. This is going to be a great tool for you moving forward. We have a sin problem. 
you and I, Dennis and Edna. Our problem is sin. It's a massive problem. Sin has the ability, if we let it, to separate us from God. And the first part of the Roman road confirms that the state of every human is sinful. And the state of God is holy. Dennis and Edna, Stan and Dawn, maybe other couples, Blake Lively, Ryan Reynolds, Dax Shepard, Kristen Bell, they struggle with sin. Prince William, Kate Middleton, they struggle with sin. Apart from Jesus, you could go back just a few verses in Romans chapter 3, verse 10. It says this way, as it is written, apart from Jesus, there is no one righteous, not even one. And what's our verse? Romans 3, 23, all have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. Listen, after establishing that all have sinned, the first half of Romans 6, 23, explains the depth of this problem. And then it explains the consequences. Romans 6, 23, the first part says this, for the wages, the result, what we earn from our sin is actually death, eternal separation from God. Listen, our staff team is doing this study together, some of us on Monday mornings. We're going through a study that we hope to take you through at some point. And this past week we were talking about sin and how, oh my goodness, it's a thing. Not just for Dennis and Edma, but, but, but it is a, it's a thing for me. It's a thing for you. Don't trivialize your sin. We were talking about different resources on this, and I couldn't help but think of the C.S. Lewis book called The Screwtape Letters. If you've never read The Screwtape Letters, you ought to read it. And be reminded of the extremes or even the simple things that Satan will go to to send his minions, to tempt us, to struggle with sin. The flesh is weak. But the second half of that verse hints at the hope that sinners have of salvation through Jesus. Romans 6, 23, the second part, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise be to God. The second mile marker, if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus is our solution. Sin is our problem, but Jesus is our solution. This is Romans chapter 5, verse 8. In a word, the word here we're leaning into is hope. Oh, there's hope for a brighter future. There's hope in Jesus. The second part of the Roman road uh, further explains this hope that we have. We see it here in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Check this out. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners. By the way, this verb here, it, it's literally in the act of sin. While we were still sinners, while we were still actively in the act of sinning, Christ died for us, our past, present, and future sins. Praise be to God, we struggle with sin, but Jesus is our solution. Let me ask you this. Do you ever felt, feel overwhelmed by the weight of your own sin? You ever just wrestle with the depth of your depravity? The author, well, God's the author, but the human author of the book that we're walking through right now, this Roman road towards salvation, 
The Apostle Paul, there's almost this moment where he's, he starts going internal. He starts to editorialize in chapter 7, verse 15, when he says this. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. God, I don't want to sin. But like a hog to the trough, I just keep finding myself back there. He's talking here, by the way, about sins of commission, choosing to go after that sin. Any one of you that's a parent or a grandparent, you know that we struggle. You recognize Romans 3.23. Some of us believe in original sin because we saw that moment when our child, it's almost like the moment even that they're learning to walk and starting to toddle around, you tell them to go this way and they look at you and smile and go that way. That little booger is a sinner. And they maybe even learn to start walking by walking the other direction in a way and leaning into sin. There are sins of commission. I choose to do this. There are sins of omission. I choose to not do this. And that leads me directly into sin. We should not go any further before we acknowledge and recognize our sin. Do me a favor, grab the communion elements. They were on your seat when you walked in. You might just simply grab them and and be looking at them. Think about what they represent. I mentioned last week, the early church thought of this moment as a communal exercise. It wasn't just thinking about my sin and confessing my sin, but they would confess maybe how have we sinned. So I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and tell them your deepest, darkest sin that you've never told anybody before in your life. Ready? Don't, please, please, you, you, you don't have to do that right now. I mean, if you trust them and you want to use them as a confessor, maybe later you can lean into that. But right now, I do want you to turn to whoever you're sitting next to. Would you look at them in the eyes and simply say these words? I'm a sinner. Say it. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. If you've asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, also look at them and say this. But his grace saves me. I'm a sinner, but his grace saves me. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Let me show you the context of this verse. I love this. Pound for pound, in my opinion, these are three, some of the greatest verses strung together in your entire Bible. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. I'm a sinner, but his grace saves me. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward. Here's a big word. I chose this translation because of that specific word. I wanted to talk about this word. A propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. These are three of the greatest verses in the Bible. Oh my goodness, I could argue for other three verses. I think Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, the great commission of the Old Testament, those are great verses strung together. In my opinion, the first chapter of Philippians, verses 23 and following, those three verses strung together there, oh my goodness, that's personally meaningful for me. But these verses right here, I'm not going to just say that they're great, but I think that they're glorious. When you read these verses and you realize what they mean, that you have all, Dennis, Edna, you, me, we have sinned against God. 
We've rebelled against God. We deserve eternal separation from God, yet we can be justified before God. We can be declared innocent before God. We can be forgiven of all of our sins. How is this possible? By his grace as a gift. It's this gift of God that he gives us by his grace. He makes it possible for us to be forgiven of all of our sins. How is that possible? Through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Romans 3.23, let's put this up on the screen. It reminds us of God's grace. You've sinned against God. That word propitiation, I love that word. It literally means one who would bear the judgment that we deserve, the wrath that we deserve in our sin. Jesus has been put forward by God the Father, and God the Son has endured the judgment that we deserve in our place in such a way that we don't have to do anything to earn our salvation. Forgiveness before God, redemption before God, it cannot be earned. It's given. It's received by faith, and we trust in what Jesus has done on the cross for us. He saves us from our sins. He wants uh, to lead us through our lives as our Lord. This is the essence of the gospel in just three short verses, and I want to encourage you today with it. A couple of other things that these verses show us. It reminds us of God's grace. It also it thanks God for the gospel. And it reminds us of Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. I'm going to encourage you simply to look at those three things right now. Think about your sin. Think about this past week, not just Dennis and Edna, but Stan. Where has your sin separated you from God? And by his grace, he freely forgives. I want to give you just a minute or so to sit there in that. Confess your sins to God. Be reminded of his grace. Thank him for the good news. And just let yourself think about the sacrifice that he's made for you. You spend some time with your God, and then I'll close this time together. Let's go before him now. Lord Jesus, we praise you for taking the wrath we just read about that we deserve upon yourself. God, we thank you for your love for us, that you would pour out the judgment we deserve upon your son instead of us. That Jesus, you would willingly die as a substitute for us, that word propitiation. You shed your blood for our sins and we praise you. We praise you for the gift of grace. And it's in your name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. There are at least four mile markers. Let's look at the third one right now. 
Number three, we can choose to seize. I chose that word intentionally. We can choose to seize. First of all, it's a choice. I talked about a C.S. Lewis book just a bit ago. Could I share another one with you? It's called The Great Divorce. In that novel, in that book about heaven and hell, Lewis says that the gates of hell are locked from the inside. Those who are in hell choose it. Without that self-choice, there can be no hell. Conversely, Jesus, when he established his church, he looked at Peter in Caesarea Philippi, and he said, listen, on you, you, the rock, I build my church, and the very gates of Hades will not prevail against her. Listen, gates, hell's gates, are meant to be defensive, and the church is supposed to be storming the gates of hell. We're supposed to be crashing the gates. To put it in the terms of March Madness that we're in right now, we're supposed to be crashing the boards. Are we doing that? Choose. I chose the word seize because I don't know about you, but when I give a child a gift at Christmas, I would much rather that they seize that gift than simply receive it or simply accept it. You could use those words at this point, but I love this idea of seizing. Speaking of C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite books that he wrote is called A Grief Observed. And in the middle of that book, it's like he goes on this bit of a, a thought process. He's asking the question, what if the great theological questions of man, to God's ears, well, they sound a little bit silly, nonsense questions. Like, can I lose my salvation? Once saved, always saved. And he says, I wonder if these kinds of questions, God hears them like, well, what does the color purple sound like? That's a nonsense question. It can't be answered. Can you lose your salvation? I don't know. Maybe that's not even the point. Have you seized it? Are you holding on to it tightly? Do you value it? Are you just clinging to it? Are you leaning into it? Are you living it? Oh, my goodness, once we understand our need for a Savior and we recognize that Jesus Christ is that Savior, we can respond by moving along to this third part of the Roman road, this third milestone, calling out to Jesus, seizing what he has to offer. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says this, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord... And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Listen, this response is possible for everyone, including your one in the cubicle next to you. Including your one that lives across the street from you. Including that person that you're seeking to invest in that you would want to walk down this road together with them. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 underlines this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This isn't the only place in Scripture, by the way, that talks about this idea that everyone, this is a free gift that anyone and everyone could seize if they choose. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the whole world through him might be saved. That sounds an awful lot like for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen, what you watch in the baptistry. When somebody makes those declarations, I believe that you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And we baptize them that they're literally buried with Christ, rise to walk in a brand new life. When you see that, when you watch that, when you witness that, when you sometimes, if you get to lead that, 
It's a continuation of what began 2,000 years ago as people began to walk this Roman road together and tell all of their ones about the power of the gospel, about how God is conquering sin and he brings salvation, which, by the way, is number four. This is mile marker number four, this fourth milestone. Salvation brings us a couple of things, a couple of big theological words. We're going to read them in the text. It brings justification, and it brings peace. Justification and peace. We seize the salvation that he freely gives. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 puts it this way, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand and we boast, not in what we've done, but we boast in the hope of the glory of God. In Romans 8, chapter 1, I love it. I love the way it puts it. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Salvation. It's a free gift to anyone and all, even Dennis and Edna, should they so choose. Let me say this, though. The Roman road, it's not supposed to be selfish. The Roman road is not supposed to be selfish. If you grew up anywhere near a dad or a grandpa, you probably heard this phrase at some point. Well, there's two sides to every coin. Two sides to every coin. That got me thinking. The Roman road that we've used, not just as an analogy through this process, but the literal Roman roads that are all over Europe, all over the Holy Land, oftentimes even the international highway that goes right through the middle of Israel, right through the middle of the Holy Land. It goes through the main street of a lot of those little towns and villages. They've started to excavate and dig up some of those spaces, and they find new spaces literally all the time. This happened just a couple of years ago. They were digging. They found a, a section of one of these Roman roads. And as they started to dig, as they started to excavate, guess what they found? A whole bunch of old Roman coins. I think these are so interesting, these Roman coins. In this group, let me grab my notes here. This includes a coin from the second year of the Great Revolt, right before Jerusalem is destroyed in A.D. 70. One of those coins was minted in A.D. 67. There's a coin in there that was minted by, get this, Pontius Pilate. If you know the Easter story, you know that name. One of those coins is a coin of King Agrippa I. Hold on to that thought. One of those coins is actually from an Arab caliphate that wasn't, this, that coin wasn't minted until like the AD 600s. What's the point? People will be traveling along that road, maybe playing with the coin like I am right now. Like me in the back seat with my brothers when I was a kid flipping the coin and calling heads or tails. There's two sides to every coin. As you think about the Roman road, as you think about the journey that we've been on today, let me ask you the question, two sides to every coin. Are you a consumer or a producer? Heads or tails? Let me show you the image. This is the coin that I'm flipping up here. Actually, this is actually a Roman 
Actually, it's not. It's a Jewish coin. Jewish coins, it's from King Agrippa I. Roman, you would know it's a Roman uh, image because it would have the image of Caesar or an important dignitary on it. But Jews, they didn't, graven images were a big deal to them. And so he couldn't put his own likeness. There's other symbolism that is involved with this coin. But this was minted by King Agrippa I right before the gospel was taken on those Roman roads all over the known empire of the day. King Agrippa I. Somewhere in this sermon... Somewhere, I'm guessing, you went inward. I mean, I kind of steered you that way. We celebrated communion. Somewhere in the middle of this message, you went inward. You began to hyper-focus on your own sin. That's one side of the coin. And that's not bad. We should actually read through the book of Romans occasionally and think about the depravity of our own sin. But you know what? It's also meant to be the other side of the coin. A tool for you to share the good news that you have with everybody around you. Actually, the purpose of the book, if you look at the beginning of Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And I just wonder. Is it possible, even this coin that I'm holding in my hand right now, is it possible that this traveled those Roman roads? Is it possible that this was utilized in somebody's purse or satchel or maybe they called it a wallet, I don't know. A missionary, first century, second century, third century, traveling along those roads, sharing the good news of Jesus with everyone they met. Is it possible I think it is. Let me tell you the end of this story of this coin. Two sides to the same coin. It's definitely for you and me, but it's also for your one. I believe that the Roman road can still flourish today. Let me put up a picture here, an image of maybe what God is calling you toward is to use this as a tool for gospel purposes or somebody in your life that's living far from him, would you share this good news with them? I believe it can still flourish today. I want to show you the last Roman road mile marker. King Agrippa I minted this coin. We read about how he died in Scripture. You want to see it? I'm in Acts chapter 12. Check this out, verse 19. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea Maritima, and he stayed there. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people, the dude that minted this coin. They shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of a man. Blasphemy. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and he died. The guy that minted this coin, it's like a Stephen King horror book, the way he met his end. But this next line, I love this. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. I just bet there were some people with these coins that that dude had minted in their pocket, in their purse, walking around the known world of that time, telling everyone they meet about Jesus. Number five mile marker, if you were to choose to step into that rich tradition, number five is to share. 
Your sins separate you from God. Jesus is the solution. So seize the good gift that he is giving you, your salvation. And then would you encourage the person that you're telling them, telling this to, that they step into a rich tradition as well to repeat the cycle over and over and over again. Those statistics we looked at early, 95%, that's not good enough. Let's just see if we can do better, shall we, church? I told you at the beginning of this sermon you were going to walk away with a tool. If you have filled that out, go ahead and screenshot the image of the notes there. Favorite it. Save that into your favorites. You can use that as a resource later. But let's not stop there. I'm going to put a QR code up here on the screen. We're going to be doing these One Life trainings that kick off actually next week. Not enough of us have signed up for this. We don't have critical mass yet. But some of you are going to sign up for it right now. We're going to resource you with how you can share your story. Talk a little bit more about the tools that are at your disposal for you to do that. We want to motivate you and encourage you that you absolutely can do this. You can follow along in that rich tradition of 2,000 years of sharing the truth of Jesus to your one life. Maybe take your phone and use that QR code right now to sign up for that opportunity to double down and to be a part of this process. I would encourage you to do that right now. As you're doing that, would you stand up with us? We should respond right now. I'm going to invite the worship team to go ahead and come on out. We're going to respond because if we hear the gospel message, if we hear the truth that our sins, though they separate us from God, can be removed by his grace, we should respond. We should declare that truth and we should simply respond and worship to him. Let's do that right now.